Hey guys, welcome back to the Millennial Money Honey podcast and this special fireside chat with my friend Jessica, who is Dr. Jessica Louie over on Instagram. Today, we are talking all about how to pursue your passions and not burn out on them while still making money and just avoiding burnout. Uh, Dr. Jessica Louie has definitely experienced a lot of burnout. She is an actual doctor. Uh, she experienced burnout a couple of years ago and through that found the whole concept of minimalism through the KonMari method. She is a expert level KonMari consultant and just a awesome person. And I'm so excited for you guys to tune in to this chat. So stay tuned. Hey, hi. Hey guys, welcome to our to our IG live on side hustle burnout and simplifying your life and your finances to like mentally declutter. I'm really excited to hang out today and um, yeah, talk about all this burnout because I know it's like the end of Q1 and everybody's like getting through that final push of all their New Year's resolutions. And now it's like burnout time, prime burnout time. I'm so glad to be here with you today, Katie. Thank you everyone for joining. So I guess um, we have a little bit like of a, how this is gonna go. Um, we have a little bit of a outline brainstorm where we're gonna go over um, sort of our experiences and um, you know, how to think about burnout, especially when it comes to side hustling. And um, for those who are on here, like pursuing Instagram as their side hustle specifically, um, and other avenues of side hustling. And then uh, we have a couple of your cute questions that you guys submitted prior to this. And then I was thinking maybe we could uh, try doing like a a thing kind of like Clubhouse where people can come up. I know like uh, Instagram now allows like live IG. So maybe you could try that if you guys are interested. Otherwise, if you guys have any questions um, that you want us to answer or have anything that comes up as like we're talking, be sure to leave a question in the chat below or like in the question little bubble. It's like a little speech bubble with a question mark on it down below at the bottom. So yeah, just wanted to say that before we get started and excited everybody's here. Awesome. Well, so I guess, um, do you want to go ahead and like introduce yourself, Jessica? Sure. Sounds good. Hi, everyone. If you're tuning in live or watching the replay, I'm Jessica. And my passion is really helping people who feel burned out. A lot of times that's either healthcare professionals like myself or so people who have feelings of burnout and how they can clear the clutter for them from their lives. And I do that through teaching about simplifying and through the burnout doctor method I've created and podcast so that we can really find this work-life alignment and let go of people-pleasing, perfectionism, the slide that everyone talks about work-life balance. So that's really my passion. And I also still practice as a critical care pharmacist and associate professor. So this is um, one of my small businesses that I just am really passionate about. I'm so glad to have connected with Katie here on Instagram and social media and her teachings on, you know, financial well-being and simplifying your life as well. Cool. Yeah. And if you guys don't know me, I'm Katie over at Millennial Money Honey. Uh, I talk all about my journey to financial independence and early retirement at 35. Um, and this is just kind of like, yeah, my little hobby that has turned into something bigger than that um, as 
as we've seen. And um, yeah, I just talk about money so that everybody feels less shame and stigma around talking about money. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So I guess um, going into like side hustles and hobbies, I'm from in talking with you earlier, um, you've had a lot of hobbies prior to kind of landing where you are now. And I'm just curious, like for everybody to hear, like how many hobbies and like, what did you do prior to kind of getting into this whole like um, space where you are now? Definitely, definitely. Uh, so my journey uh, through like side hustles, small businesses started about four and a half, almost five years ago. Um, I originally experienced burnout back in 2014, 2015. So after I learned how to reset my burnout and all these things, because burnout wasn't a topic that most people talked about back then, six, seven years ago, um, I went on this journey of opening up small businesses, side hustles to find where I wanted to find joy in my life. And through that process, my first side hustle was called Petite Style Script. And it really combined my hobbies of photography that I love to do and clothing of how to feel confident in your body, especially if you may look a little bit younger um, than you are when you are standing there on stage as a professor in front of students um, and, um, and feeling confident in yourself. So I started that. I learned a lot um, in that process of how to blog and how to actually get on social media. I was a very private person before then. Um, and then some of the brands I was working with were asking me to share more about my pharmacy world and my journey. So I ended up uh, deciding to open Find Your Script, which is more for pharmacy student resources and advocating for the profession. Uh, and then it led me on to different things um, where, you know, one of the places I actually helped uh, reset my own burnout was by simplifying my life using the KonMari method. You may have heard of Marie Kondo, her books and things, and I had used that journey and she actually opened up an actual certification process. So I then got certified in the KonMari method, um, moved up the ranks of that certification process to master level. So that you know, came from a hobby into a small business uh, and then part of my method of um, how to reset burnout. Um, I've also done Shopify type of businesses, um, more for fundraiser types of things. Uh, during the pandemic um, and tried out a lot of different things of how you monetize a hobby or, or a small business and what works and what doesn't over the last five years. So I learned a lot because I do everything myself. I code myself. I uh, do all the photography, the, the website, the social media, and it's definitely a learning process. Um, and I definitely enjoy um, some of it, um, but some of it, um, you know, may not be as enjoyable as other processes. So that's a little bit about you know, the things I've done over the last uh, four or five years and spend basically four different businesses, four different websites. Um, and uh, I know that, Katie, you have done a variety of things over the years um, from I crafting am, as well. I am not quite on your level. I've got to admit <laughs> Yeah, like in college, I would make hair bows were super trendy at the time back in like college um, at USC. We both actually went to USC. Mm -hmm. um, so fight on if you guys did too. <laughs> um, but we, yeah. So like I started making like hair bows for my sorority and moved that onto Etsy. And yeah, sororities all over the country would order hair bows from me um, and a friend. So that was my little side hustle. Obviously, I definitely outgrew that. Um, and 
some side hustles that I've done it. I, I think I've always gone into it with the lens of like a hobby first. So, and not necessarily making money. So my next like hobby, I would say was like starting a podcast um, specifically on dating and being single in Los Angeles. Oh yeah. Look, 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 look at all the sexy people. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and um, yeah, that kind of was just hard to like coordinate like for different people's schedules and uh, have it be like really consistent. So kind of burned out and uh, as, as some people got in relationships and I'm still like not there, but you know, <laughs> um, so I could maybe pick that back up. But, uh, and then I ended up kind of in this like finance space as well. Um, just kind of documenting my journey as I was learning things and people, my like 300 followers, like friends were, were like listening to me. So like, oh, I like your content that you've been putting out, Katie. So that kind of was encouraging and kind of grew to where I am today. So all of those, that's kind of like my side hustle journey, I would say. Um, but yeah, do you feel like you are good at side hustling now? Because you've started like so many things at this point. Like, do you feel like you're a good side hustler? <laughs> I mean, I think it's a life skill that you're just kind of continuing to grow. It's kind of like that, you know, people talk about lifelong learning. It's not only lifelong learning in your actual career path or what you decided to major in in college or whatever that may be. It's also like life learning of when you're having side hustles or small businesses, you're learning so much. And technically later on, you could monetize some of those skill sets if you want to, or it could just be good to help friends or family if they ever ask you questions and things, um, because you do a lot of research and a lot of time and effort goes into a lot of those things. So I think I've gained a lot of great skill sets that are really unique uh, to someone who doesn't necessarily practice a lot of those skill sets in my typical W-2 full-time position. Um, but it's something that could allow me to be more innovative in that realm if I ever wanted to, or if there's new opportunities presented themselves. So I think it just keeps us a lot more open-minded about creative outlets. Totally. So kind of touching on um, side hustle more like in your skill set, like how did you end up monetizing some of like your hobbies specifically? Yeah. So I think that going into a hobby or going into a side hustle, something to consider is maybe not monetizing and going in with a mindset that you want to monetize it. Sometimes, um, you know, when I went into my first side hustle, it wasn't to monetize it. It was really to follow a passion that I didn't think I would ever pursue because I was, you know, kind of a private person that wasn't going to show, you know, photos of myself and write on a blog or anything. Um, but it was a way to express myself in a different way outside of healthcare. And I didn't go into it to monetize it. And through that journey, I did end up monetizing it and, and making a lot of friends and a lot of great community. But depending on your mindset, I think it will be important that you go into it with more of a joyful, this is a fun aspect. And eventually, if you do want to monetize it, there is an opportunity from there. But monetizing too early can also be a downside that could lead to burnout in your side hustle, right? Yeah. So how do you, th I, I know you had spoken to me about like, you thought you monetized a bit too early. And uh, just for like reference again, her first side hustle was almost like a petite fashion healthcare mm -hmm. lifestyle blog. Yeah. Blog. Like, uh -huh. in, yeah. Yeah. And I ended up monetizing around six months in. 
Um, and you know, that's Instagram was, that's great. Was about my, was my Instagram was my main platform for social media. And then obviously my blog, um, where you owned the content and the, the website and things. And I honestly, if I would have done it all over again, I would have probably waited closer to a year to monetize. And I think that's because you just learn a lot and build a lot more community and trust, um, in that process, because, if you're chasing money or if you're chasing numbers every month um, for you know business goals, which are important, it can turn this fun thing in your life into um, a more stressful thing that, and then that stress could learn to uh, lead into burnout. And you know, honestly, I have experienced that where I put you know burnout technically is like very self-induced, like self-pressuring, um, and a lot of times we end up going down that path and being able to realize that, you know, is this more for fun or is this going to turn into your full-time job eventually is very different mindsets when you go into it. So I, I think I would, if I did it all over again, I would do it a lot differently and, you know, we can't go back in time, but we can definitely give advice to other people or uh, try to correct some of the mistakes because I've made a lot of mistakes in my side hustles businesses over the last five years. And they are big learning experiences um, that, you know, you wish you didn't go through necessarily when you make those big mistakes, but such a good learning process. And so for that, in that instance, is it, how did the monetization work? Did like a brand approach you to like put out like sponsored content or what is that how like you monetize that? Um, yeah. Blogs? So I think monetization can kind of come from different angles. And one of the angles that kind of comes from is this comparison syndrome, especially on platforms like Instagram, where you see other people talking about, um, you know, the income they're making or the affiliate commissions they're making or things or like brand sponsorships. And it kind of gets viewed on this whole of should I be doing that too? And that's how I kind of got into it. So as more of a petite fashion blogger, it was like really big back then to be on Light to Know It and different mm -hmm. affiliate platforms, sponsored posts um, with brands and things. And you join different communities um, of other bloggers that are doing the same thing. And then you think, oh, I should be doing that too. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into it. Brands started approaching me, especially for like healthcare scrubs and like different things, um, products I already had talked about that I had bought years before that before I ever started blogging um, approached me and then I got into affiliate programs like like to know it and reward style and things like that so um, that led into the first monetization phase and then there's other phases after that but I think that realizing what are your goals and making sure that you're not comparing yourself to others will help you decide in a more intentional way of if you want to monetize and how that monetization will work for you. Nice. So um, speaking also of monetization, like now that you have everything kind of like flowing and in a more like set, like you're more confident in what you're doing with your businesses slash hobby. Um, how do you, uh, you know, automate things and become more efficient in, you know, because you work a nine to five job. How do you juggle it all? basically? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I got that question a lot. And I saw a question come through in the comments earlier about that as well. And, you know, I think that in any side hustle that you're turning into small business that you want to potentially earn a certain income from, uh, we, 
want to be careful with our time, um, but also recognize that the time and effort is probably going to be much higher at the beginning of that stage. So the first year to two years of your side hustle or small business, it's going to probably be the most time consuming. And that's definitely where I was at. The first two years, I put in a lot of time. I was basically putting in about 40 hours a week, 30 to 40 hours a week. And that actually was really, that actually was like felt really normal to me um, because I had come out of healthcare pharmacy residency where I worked 60 to 80 hours a week. And so my full-time job was, you know, close to 40 hours. And then my side hustle, small businesses were close to 30 to 40. Um, so that actually felt really kind of natural transition, even though I, looking back, it sounds kind of crazy. Um, but I also had a partner in healthcare that was working, you know, upwards of 80 hours a week as well. So I think knowing that the time you put in in the beginning is going to pay off later on because all of your searchability um, and, you know, SEO, and I don't want to get into all the logistical things of businesses, but all that stuff pays on, pays off later on in the process. And then you can learn how to automate things. So I did a lot of automation then after those first two years of scheduling. Um, so I use different software systems. You definitely can use whatever works best for you, but I, I personally use things like um, Meet, Meet Edgar, um, schedules to all my social media platforms, um, Planoly um, schedules to Instagram and things, uh, Tailwind schedules to Pinterest. Um, and I have a big focus more on my websites and driving traffic to them through Google searches and then getting people on my email list. And then my second actual priority is Pinterest. So actually Instagram kind of falls much lower on my tier of priorities um, when I'm looking at my business long-term just so that things are evergreen and searchable on the website long-term, whereas on Instagram, they go away pretty fast, especially on stories. So there's different ways you can automate with software and then, you know, things can go out while you're sleeping um, or while you're at your nine to five. And some people may not even know that uh, a software system is publishing that for you. Well, yeah, I think I need to honestly get on this. And actually, I think that's really interesting that you say that like Instagram is kind of like a low priority for you. Um, it's just kind of where I started and how I built this community. And, you know, as I think about how I grow and scale, I do think actually Instagram is a place where, you know, it maybe is not the best way. Like if I could tell myself like what I would do differently looking back, I think actually... Um, yeah, Instagram might not be like, it's really extremely time consuming is what I will say. Mm -hmm. Like you, you have to constantly be engaging and um, sharing to stories, posting really consistently. And then as you said, there is no way it like just kind of falls off after maybe that first 24 hours. Um, you know, you just don't really kind of see any, any movement. Um, so anyway, if you guys are thinking about like growing on Instagram, that's kind of like, I guess our two cents on it. Um, automation wise, I need to get better at that. But I do use apps like Unum for like planning, but I don't have any kind of scheduling stuff. I don't know. And I, I definitely am not doing it probably the best. But as I said, this is a hobby, first and foremost, and I try to keep it fun. Monetization wise for millennial money, honey, I ended up starting like making digital products like money trackers that I use to like kind of keep track of my uh, progress to buy um, and little things like that on Etsy but I yeah don't really monetize anything other than like Google AdSense on my blog and now just recently I've been doing this for 
uh, since like, like maybe a year and a half now, almost two years. And uh, just am now kind of like starting to integrate like brand collaborations. Um, so yeah, it's been like a very, very slow, slow grow. But that's I think good. Like then you have that strong community behind you and, and you know where you want to go with it. And everyone will go at their own pace. And the mon the the automation will come if you do want to monetize because it does cost um, some time, some money for the, all those software platforms. And if you're not making, you know, an income with the side hustles, it may not be worth it to automate. Right. Cool. So how do you know when you stop a hobby? Like when you're like, okay, I'm throwing in the towel on this one. I wash my hands. Like, or does it, I mean, for me, it's always kind of happened a little bit naturally, like a slow fade, like, okay, my podcast didn't come out this week. Okay. Like maybe next month. And then you try and like bring it back and be like, this is season two. And then it's like, yeah, like it just kind of drops off. How would you so, say you know when to stop? So I think a few things that I recommend and then I'll share a personal story. Um, you know, honestly, when you start no longer feeling joy in what you're doing for that side hustle or hobby, I think you start feeling this withdrawal phase where you start disconnecting from the joy or the happiness you felt doing that thing. And when we start feeling this way, um, that's, you know, technically want some of the signs that you may be leading to burnout anyway. Um, and now it's time to reset and really think about, does this hobby really align with my core values right now? Um, does it align with where I see myself going in the next, you know, year or five years? And that's when I started having some wake up calls with my own side hustles and hobbies in terms of when it becomes such a chore to do something where you find no joy in it and, um, you're just really negative about it and you're negative to yourself. And then you might start being negative to other people around you about the time commitment you're spending on this hobby or side hustle. It might be time for a big reflection process, a reset, you know, step back, take a break from it. Um, you know, you could take a couple of weeks off or a month off and then come back and see if that, you know, you are refreshed and now you're finding joy in the, the hobby or side hustle or it's time to move on. And, you know, for me personally, for the petite fashion vlogging, I mean, it was great for the first, you know, three years or so. And then I found that, you know, this wasn't really aligning with my, you know, my core values of where I see myself going of talking about simplifying your life and moving away from consumerism and things. So, you know, I left the content on the blog and things, but, you know, I moved more towards language of capsule wardrobes, eco-friendly, you know, secondhand you know, buying of clothing, you know, less, um, you know, buying every season types of things. Um, so I changed the content and then I moved on with where I wanted to spend my time more talking about simplifying or talking about burnout. Um, and I found a lot more joy in that transition. And sometimes it is okay to let go of something. And uh, I've let go of a lot of uh, different side projects that didn't necessarily work out. Um, and, you know, it's okay to let them go and say that it was a season of my life that I enjoyed. And now it's a new season of my life that's going to be doing something different. So do you act, you don't post it all there anymore, do you? Or do you? So I don't post, um, like I was posting at least once or twice a week there um, uh -huh. for those years. So I haven't actually posted 
um, in a few years. Um, but because like I did a lot of videos and a lot of posts and Pinterest things, it still gets, you know, over a million views, like from <laughs> like Pinterest and from different videos and things. Yeah. And I still make affiliate commissions for a couple of the brands that I still really support. Um, but now it's, you know, more passive residual income. So, you know, the time and effort you put in in the beginning does pay off long-term if you don't necessarily completely shut it down. You just stop, um, you know, uh, writing every week a new article. Wow, that's insane. Do you know how much you make per year then from your blog? Or do you, if you want to share, if you don't want to share those numbers, totally understand. So, I mean, it definitely, it, it, it's decreased, obviously, over the years since I don't take on sponsored posts for that blog anymore. Um, but the affiliate commissions and things do come in every month. So it is nice. And, but it also is nice to realize that it's not my main income because during the pandemic, many affiliate companies shut down a lot. Um, that was one of the first things to go during the pandemic is affiliate commissions. So um, it's good that I, I really encourage, you know, multiple streams of income. Um, usually more than seven. So it's something that uh, you can let go if you want to and then see where your next season of your life takes you. Do your side hustles earn you enough to ever think about quitting your nine to five? Um, it's come up several times the last couple of years and I've, I've talked about it and I've thought about it. Um, and honestly, because of how I found financial independence in the FIRE community more recently, even though, you know, I had gone through a debt-free process and things um, from student loans. I um, am not planning to leave my, you know, full-time employment. I still really enjoy the educational and healthcare environment. And it's something that if it does become something where it's not a joy anymore, um, then I'll have opportunities to leave. But um, right now I, I do plan to stay um, for a while. Yeah. Well, so also something um, I think you kind of touched on, like the aspect of like comparison also leading or not like leading, but contributing to um, an element of burnout. Like, can you do you, do you ever find yourself comparing yourself to others and like either their growth or, you know, just how successful they are in the space? Yeah, I think it's really easy to go down that path, especially on social media platforms. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in social media platforms. Um, I'm in my early 30s, and they're more, they were more created for community after college and, you know, now as more business types of things. And, um, you know, a lot of times we can get caught up early in a side hustle or hobby of that comparison and seeing people on social media and, and get into the likes and the followers and all those things. And, um, you know, nowadays, I think it's important to remember that it's a curated feed, of course, it's not necessarily reality all the time. Uh, and, you know, posting things that are add value to people in your community is what's most important, no matter how many likes you get, how many followers you get from it. Um, and people don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, right? right. Um, so, uh, I think that's important to remember and then also remember like so I've taken a lot of social media breaks unfortunately uh, especially from Instagram um, where I've gone to focus on LinkedIn or focus on other platforms and um, those really hurt you obviously in algorithm feeds and things and when you come back from a break it looks you know your engagement is very bad because you have left and I think that 
um, reminding yourself that as long as you're adding value and you're doing that in different ways, sometimes your community is on Instagram, sometimes your community might be on LinkedIn or a different or YouTube or a different platform. Finding a way to connect with your community is the most important thing and not about um, necessarily followers, likes, or growth because um, you could monitor growth in a different way. Like you could monitor growth in your email list or your conversion rate or something else and not necessarily um, kind of social media like um, vanity metrics, basically. Yeah. And um, I think it's important to realize uh, – you know, I fell into a lot of comparison, especially early on in the blogging fashion world. Um, and um, now it's like, it, it does hurt sometimes. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you have no idea what's going on at the back, at the back end of people's businesses, or if it's more of a hobby side hustle. Yeah. Um, and just being able to connect with real people, I think is just more important. Cause like we've been able to connect um, through the prop platform and things and be able to support each other's communities in new ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like comparison wisely, I'm always like, Oh man, they're growing so fast. I see. And especially mm -hmm. like, it's hard not to compare, not just from like a community gain growing standpoint, but also from like a financial standpoint too, because this is so financially focused to see like someone you were on the same level as a year ago now has, well, you know, you're both at like 200k a year ago, and now they have like 400k, and you're like, what? What? How? Like, how? What? Like, um, I think that's hard to compare, just like psychologically, not so much from like a hobby perspective, but just like, yeah, mentally, it can be a little like not frustrating. But again, you remind yourself like they're doing X, Y, Z, and you, it's not a comparison. And you know, I'm sure people look up to me at some level and be like, how does she do that too? So mm -hmm. um, it's just, yeah, just being reminded that like, you don't know, you don't know exactly as you said. Um, right. So uh, again, if you guys have any questions for us, be sure to leave it in the question box below and we'll like answer them. Um, we're about to get more into like your, a couple of the submitted questions. Um, but yeah, if you guys, have any questions leave them below um and uh, to just as a reminder like i am pursuing fire at 35 jessica's a doctor and uh master kamari consultant like <laughs> and a small side hustler so if you guys have any questions on how we successfully have avoided burnout on our businesses how long have you been on this like uh you know doctor burnout um hobby so um, well, I experienced burnout in 2014, 2015. And then once I reset my burnout, which took a couple of years of wow. like simplifying. Like you went quiet kind of? Um, kind of. So like um, I realized like what it was because no one was talking about it. And it, you know, if anyone doesn't know about burnout, it basically is this combination of exhaustion, cynicism, and then decreased self-efficacy, like feeling that your work isn't making a difference. Um, feeling that you're detaching from your career or your coworkers and things like that. Um, so I found simplifying my life, not only from physical clutter, but like that mental, emotional, spiritual clutter, really important. And going through kind of like a, a life wake up quarter, like quarter life crisis, like you so said, that midlife crisis, um, you kind of go, I went through like a quarter life crisis and transition um, over the next year to two years. So 
Um, once I went through my own journey, then that's when I realized, okay, no one was talking about this. Um, no one was really comfortable talking about this because I felt really alone in my own journey. And I felt like I was the only one experiencing this, even though it's very prevalent. Um, so then that's when I decided, okay, I know how to, to talk about it because I've been, I've been blogging and things. So now I'm going to start actually doing what I'm saying and share my story on my podcast and on YouTube and things so that people who also feel this way don't feel alone and have some tangible steps to take as well. So um, that's kind of how my journey started. Um, and, um, you know, I'm pretty open book about a lot of it. Um, so if people have questions, um, I'm always here to answer those types of things. But um, then I ended up, I went debt free during that process. That's, in my opinion, part of the alignment stage of how do you simplify your health and your relationships and your finances so you don't feel trapped in a job. And that's something that we've talked about, Katie, of um, if you feel trapped because you're tied down to a paycheck in order to pay your bills at the end of the month, it can really lead to high stress which can then lead to burnout. And if you're not on a clear path, you, we don't want you to feel trapped, right? We want you to have freedom, either time freedom, some financial freedom to, to have more opportunities. And technically, financial freedom doesn't mean that you retire early necessarily. You definitely can. But it also means that you could be more innovative in your current role because you're not worried that someone's going to take offense to what you say or someone's not worried that you're going to say no to taking out a new responsibility that they think, you know, you should just pile on your plate um, because you have boundaries and like healthy boundary setting and you're not just waiting for a paycheck to arrive at the end of the month. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess like for, for people, um, somebody asked what, what clues um, and what are the signs of realizing that you are experiencing burnout? Because I think a lot of the time it's like, oh, I just don't want to do that. Like, and is that burnout? Like, or is it is it like something more like beyond just like, yeah, I just don't feel like doing that today. I'm burned out. <laughs> I mean, I feel yeah. like that a lot. <laughs> so I think it's a little bit past that, but I definitely know what you mean when you say that. Um, there's definitely t like mundane types of responsibilities either in our work or in our side hustles we don't really enjoy doing. Um, so technically burnout, you know, is a result of prolonged chronic stress that turns into burnout. And when I think about it, I think about, you know, do you feel chronically exhausted right now? Is it where, to the point where like no amount of naps or no amount of coffee would help you feel um, less fatigued? And um, it's really that physical and then combined with some emotional uh, exhaustion that I think about, you know, I was basically practically falling asleep every afternoon when I was experiencing burnout, like my eyes would literally flutter in meetings. And my mentors like, didn't want to say anything at the time, but it would have helped me wake up and realize that I was pushing myself too hard. Um, and letting when you let yourself go like that sleep hygiene and stuff go um, is, you know, you need a, a reset. Um, it's when you start, you know, really feeling detached from your work, um, like having like a negative thought process when you think about work or think about coworkers or patients or different things. Um, I had a really negative um, perspective when I came back to Los Angeles after training at some other hospitals in Salt Lake City. Um, and when you start going down this negative path all the time uh, and start disengaging, it can mean that you have transitioned into burnout. Um, or if you really feel like 
none of your work is really making a difference. Like, um, if you got up one morning and thought that none of your community got value out of your work or your side hustle, which really is not true. Like, there's someone getting value out of your work, even if you don't feel that now. Um, but sometimes you don't get that validation all the time. You don't get that thank you. You don't get that email or that, that DM message. And, um, you know, being able to reset that so that you don't feel, continue to feel so detached um, and if you really feel that, um, you basically, how is it, how do I want to say this? So like basically, um, instead of like, you've lost energy now, you've really lost motivation. Um, so, you know, if you don't want to do something, okay, you don't want to do something today, but if you've lost complete motivation to like get out of bed or to like shower, like you may have been transitioning into this burnout phase where like nothing is worthwhile in your life anymore. And it's really emotionally tolling for you. So I think it's a combination of things. And in my opinion, burnout is something that we just don't like solve. Like we don't like realize that one day and the next day we wake up and we're not burned out. Like mm -hmm. I, I think of burnout as very similar to exercise and, and building up muscles. Uh, like if you stop working out and stop building up muscles, your health is going to have negative consequences. And I yeah. see the same thing in burnout as, you stop waking up and taking care of yourself, like physically, mentally, emotionally, you're not going to like ever, like stress can always present itself in your life. Yeah. Um, so you just need to have these continual prevention measures long-term and it's is okay. There, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Is there like a difference between like burnout and like, I'm almost like thinking of like depression. Cause I feel like that's like very, um, I mean, the symptoms seem pretty similar. Is that not, I mean? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, technically, burnout technically usually has more depressive type of connotation, whereas stress has more like anxiety type of connotation. Um, but if you do, you know, have any depressive or suicidal thoughts, definitely seek professional, you know, um, professional help. Um, and there's definitely healthcare professionals that can help you and, and give you official diagnoses and things. Yeah. yeah. So yes, definitely. If you guys are feeling like that level of burnout, please seek mental health because we don't want that. Um, but how would you say like in relation to your hobbies, like how do you um, ditch like the, uh, can you stay as um, Anita is kind of in the comments below, like yeah. do you, how do you stay ahead of the burnout? Like, you know, it's like always on the horizon. I feel like no matter mm -hmm. what you do, whether it's work, whether it's your hobbies, etc like is there a way to like avoid it completely and that'll you know. so i think there's ways to avoid burnout i don't i think there's like because basically you deal with the stress before it becomes really high and really chronic um mm -hmm. and that means you know one area i think that it's important to recognize is that stress some people will say that stress is a direct result of devoting a lot of time to different responsibilities or tasks that are really not in alignment with your abilities, right? So if majority of your like either W2 job or your side hustle job is not in alignment with like the skill sets that you have cultivated or built up over time, you're going to like always be like pushing against it, right? So um, that can lead to a lot of stress in your life. I think that also um, thinking about um, – Basically, to stay a step ahead of it, I think that when we know that we're owning our time and we're in control of our life, like focusing on what we can control in our life, 
then we feel more content. We feel more joy and we can stay ahead of it turning into stress or burnout because when we feel out of control at times, we feel overwhelmed at times. It's usually because we're focusing on so many things that are out of our control, like world events or politics or like other things happening. And that's why when you simplify your life, you let go of like the things that don't bring you joy. Like I, I really don't watch any news. Like I really don't read any newspapers. Like I really don't um, engage in content that it feels negative. Right. And that's letting go and setting healthy boundaries in your life. Um, doesn't mean that I'm not educated in what's happening in the world. Like that just means that someone in my family is going to talk about a world event and, and tell me about it instead of me turning on the TV um, and feeling negative about things that are out of my control. So I think um, when you know that you're spending time on things that you enjoy or you're batching out like content or videos or whatever it might be um, that are adding value to your community, it, it won't turn into stress or it won't turn on into burnout. And if you're in a full-time job or a W-2 position that isn't finding a lot of joy in your life, I think it's important to realize because you find at least 20% of that role that is using your skill sets to the best of their ability or 20% of that role where you can have, you know, a project that you can work on really exciting to you. And a lot of times employers are willing to give you that 20% time to work on something that's really important to you. And then it makes it a lot more manageable to deal with the other 80% that's less in your control. Yeah. And I think for hobbies, I think staying ahead of it is, you know, I think when you're especially looking at side hustles, like you can cut, you have the liberty to like, maybe have a less liberty in your day job. But like, if something is really truly just like not bringing you any joy, cut it out. Like, I just I mean, there are some things like, I, you know, I can't like, cut out so everything but like um like I enjoy designing things I'm a designer but like when it when it gets to like side hustling I like just cut it out for example like just my freelance design work like I said in 2021 no more I this does not bring me joy I am so frustrated I like you know procrastinate and then stay up till mm -hmm. like 4am until it's like when I've committed to the client that it's like due it's just like side hustles I think it's very much easier to step away and reassess like with what is not bringing you joy and just like stop doing it <laughs> um yeah uh just to be frank <laughs> I I think I think that too I mean I realized that you know I I didn't like those like sponsor posts and like all the emails back and forth or brands and it was very frustrating to get to a finalized contract so you let yeah. it go in your life and if Maybe in the future, another time presents itself and it's more enjoyable, fine. But right now you can let it go. And I think that that's where people get really stuck of it's like black or white. Like it's mm -hmm. like now or never. And that, you know, we have a lot of time uh, on earth and we can change our opinions and change perspectives to different seasons. And it's okay to have both ebbs and flows, I think. Yeah. And also too, now that I've like uh, started kind of, I mean, I... I don't hate that, but like I, I do for those like little contracts, hire out my younger sister <laughs> at 30, like a 
cut, which I don't know if that's a lot or a little, but like she helps me now with all of like the back and forth because I don't like talking to people. So <laughs> that's also one way to do it, if to do things you don't like to do. Yes. I mean, there, that's why like virtual assistants and like hiring mm -hmm. out for different projects and things is important. Like when you want to let things go off your plate and if you can't automate, you know, with a software system necessarily, you can get some type of assistant um, or family member on board. Um, and I think that completely is um, fine to help bring you joy <laughs> while they take on maybe a skill set they were good at. Yeah, totally. Um, so one other question we got is, what do you think about like content management across like channels? Because you have a, okay, she has a YouTube, a podcast, like a website, a blog, like I'm just an Instagram, you know, just like everything. And I'm like, huh? I can barely keep up with like, Instagram and YouTube. I don't know how you do it. So when I think about, you know, multiple different channels for content, I think it's really important that you focus on one at the beginning. Like you focus on one and growing it and growing that community on that one platform, whether that is a social media platform or something else. Um, and then as you get more comfortable with that, then maybe you add on a second platform that you focus on. So you know, I started originally on Instagram and then I moved on to like more LinkedIn because um, there's a lot of healthcare professionals on there. And then eventually I went into podcasting and then it's been about a, almost two years on the podcast. And now I've gone back to YouTube um, more recently in 2021 and I'm going to build up my YouTube. But now that you take a year, you know, or more, depending on how comfortable you are to build up that one platform where you feel really confident, really comfortable on it, and know that you're going to stick to a certain schedule on it. And then you add on the next one. Um, I see a lot of people that are like doing five or six platforms all at once at the beginning and get really overwhelmed and then basically burn out or quit. Um, they're just too overwhelmed with so many platforms and all these and all the different logistics or algorithms on each one. So I highly recommend one at a time and, um, and then keep it as simple as possible. I post the same content in all my platforms, right? Mm. So it's basically just changing the image potentially or changing if it's an image or more of a caption written form and repurposing it because you are touching different audiences on every platform and someone needs to see a piece of content usually at least seven times before it actually resonates with them or they want to take an action step with it. So I repurpose a lot of things and I post very similar things across all platforms um, with more of a focus on basically two social media channels that I actually want to grow on. And then, um, you know, the, the blog podcast or YouTube that's, you know, focused technically on the blog first um, and those two channels. So, um, you know, I guess, I mean, Katie, you have a YouTube channel and you've been very consistent on it and things. And, um, you know, if you wanted to take on something else, would you feel comfortable at this moment taking on another platform for content? I, YouTube is a whole different ballgame, y'all. <laughs> like, I have no idea, like, how long it took to edit a video. But it's actually, I, I, there was a time where I had to tell my YouTube support group, my finance YouTube <laughs> support, like, I'm burning out. I hate editing. I don't know what, takes six hours to video. Um, now I'm kind of like getting in a groove where I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. I've uh, started using Adobe Premiere Pro and I'm like kind of getting into this editing groove and like my video skills are leveling up and I can see that in myself. And so that's kind of cool to see my own personal progression as like a editor. Um, 
but I, I don't think I could take on more than like that just because I feel like YouTube is probably the most time consuming of all those social media platforms. I don't know. I don't know what you would say to that. But yeah, um, as, as you said, I am repurpose queen. I literally, once I film a YouTube video, it, it's the same across like everything. And uh, that's how I stay sane. Like, otherwise I would, I would go insane. I just, there's, I'm kind of a naturally lazy person too. So like being efficient with that is to my benefit. Otherwise, yeah, I just, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, I do think that YouTube is the most time consuming, but it actually probably is one of the best platforms to be on because it has such good uh, search engine capability and SEO, like long-term evergreen content. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, um, yeah, some you of get into like a videos are like the best. Have yeah some of your best performing ones and you get into like this like I personally like to batch my time so if you like have ever heard of the concept of time blocking like I time block out and I'll write all of my content a certain day or a certain couple hours of the that. week and then I record all of it in one time frame so I get ready and change outfits um but I only have to get ready for makeup and hair one time and then I edit <laughs> you know in different times so if so um, like if you're overwhelmed with a new platform, like learning how to time batch and time block out for it and get, get everything like ready before you start publishing once a week, I think it's important. Like, so I started the podcast and I spent 12 weeks beforehand, um, making sure I batched out eight to 12 podcasts so that they went live, wow. you know, oh and then on YouTube, I have about 12, um, YouTube videos that are batched out in advance. And and my old wow. self would say, oh, just publish all 12 on one day, yeah. you know? Nah. But my new self is like, no, you need mm -hmm. consistency. So they're all just going to go out every Saturday. And yes, I wish the content would go out a little bit earlier, but it, it just makes sense that you space it out so people have time to see it and then see it on all the platforms. So, um, you know, planning ahead a little bit um, can help. And then you feel like a weight's lifted off your shoulder. You don't need to do another batch for another month or two potentially, or you can have more creativity time for writing that yeah. process. But just like I said before, it's a lot of time and effort up front of learning a platform like Adobe Premiere. Like I tried that. I now I'm on iMovie instead. Um, I've done, you know, Adobe Photoshop and then I was on Canva. So like the learning curve up front is higher, but then long-term now you have, um, I use Adobe Audition for my podcast and I have a set way of editing and it's that way of putting it out and what used to take me two hours takes me 15 minutes because now you have a template for things right so like it gets easier over time right and it, that's uh -huh. kind of you have basically templates for things like making the first graphic is time consuming uh -huh. but making the next graphic is just editing out the picture and the caption and that's it uh -huh. so the time up front really pays off in the long run yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Like, I just like keep copying the same projects over and over and like reinserting videos in it. So, you know, I mean, it's okay. It's a, I feel like it's brand establishment and brand recall too. So it's like, good for everybody. So that mm -hmm. you establish your branding. Um, and I but, love, I know that it says someone also said lazy people. I want, I like to say, like, keep it simple. Right? It's not necessarily about like saying that you're lazy. You're just keeping things as simple as possible. So yeah. it's not overcomplicating your life. Totally. Um, so how do you feel like, how do you keep it fun? How do you like really find levity in your work? <laughs> 
So I think that's where you like put in fun pieces of content, right? So it's not like as like, it's all, it's not all strategy all the time, yeah. right? Of selling or, um, you know, certain things that your audience has requested from you. Um, yeah. Sometimes you add in those fun elements, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, you add in your own behind the scenes of your life or something that's important to you that you know that you want to share on your platform. Um, and you have influence because of your platform. So I think that's what helps keeps it fun. Um, and I think the community part also helps keep it fun when you see other people and you're connecting with them and, and then getting to learn more about them and us finding out we both went to USC and like live in Los Angeles. Like even though we live in the same city, like we may never have met in person. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. it's a very big world like out there. So like, I think that keeps it fun that you have some of that down to earth community building. And then you're also sharing things that you feel are fun in your life and not only yeah. about like, hobby business strategy yeah I really love that because I think it's sometimes yeah you just whatever I want to see like is I mean I do a lot of the times I'm sharing like yeah what I think other people want to see but then at the, the some of my favorite posts and actually some of my favorite content that does really well is actually what I would think is fun and interesting and what the information that I'm sharing like maybe isn't as commonly talked about but then it's like, oh, yeah, we should be talking about that. So keeping it fun, I feel like, is just like, what do you want to see that would be interesting to you? Because mm -hmm. you have to have that in there. I mean, and not always, always, always. I mean, you're supposed to see that. That's the thing. But like, I feel like when you start a business, like, you know, customers are first. But like, when it's your hobby, it's like, I feel like you have to kind of, on some level, prioritize you and yourself and, and finding joy in it. And, and that's how I look at like a hobby versus a business. I don't know. Maybe it's just Yeah, that makes sense. But I think, I think even when it is a business and you have customers, there is like mm -hmm. this healthy boundary of yeah. like what's not always about the customer sometimes. Yeah, totally. Um, what are some financial things that you wish you started doing when you were younger? Bring so Finances. Yes. So um, I, I know we got this question earlier and I know Katie probably you have a lot of advice on this. Um, personally, since I didn't really like go on my fire journey until more recently in my early 30s, I wish that I, you know, was, you know, I had great financial foundations for my parents and things, but there was no discussion of like, how do you open a Roth IRA? How do you actually start investing in retirement funds? like as a teenager, technically, if you're making some type of income. And, you know, I worked at odd jobs as a teenager and then a lot of work study in college. So I could have been investing a lot earlier and I wish I would have known about those opportunities and not been so scared about them because I viewed the stock market as this gambling type of environment that's not true of, of how you can invest if you're very educated and, and hold long-term. So I would have started investing a lot earlier and holding things. Um, and, you know, when I started saving, like I started saving significantly after college and after residency, but I started saving, you know, in a high yield savings account um, and not investing a lot of that money. Um, so, you know, long term, there is a point where you don't need to have such a high emergency fund of greater than, you know, six to 12 months of emergency funds yeah. necessarily, unless you are planning for a big purchase. Um, so, knowing where that money should go in a, 
in a savings account versus an investment account a little bit earlier on may have helped um, a little bit more as well. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I am, I mean, definitely across the board, I think that's what everybody wishes they would have done sooner, <laughs> um, started investing sooner. Um, and I, I just, for me, like, wish I had known, and this is why I just like, my mission is very simple, is just to share that, like, you don't have to work until you're 65. Like, just that idea in and of itself, like, is so novel, I think. And once you realize it's attainable, like that that's an option, it's like you are self-motivated, I think, to figure out how to do that. And, and it, but just like that spark, I think is really missing. It doesn't like, everything else doesn't really set in until you're like, oh, like that's, that's why you want to invest. Like that's why like mm -hmm. you want to be in a high yield savings account and invest in a Roth IRA, like and do Roth conversions and all the, mm -hmm. all the other things mm -hmm. just come as a result of like knowing that it's an option. So, but that's why I am so passionate about like just sharing that you don't have to be working till you're 65 because that's the default. Yes, it definitely is the default. And I mean, we're technically in the same generation and my parents, we really emphasize like you get a, you work at the same company for the rest of your life, you get a pension um, like that's what you do. And that's really not, you know, you know, our generation isn't planning to do that a lot of times. Like our companies may not exist in 30 years, some of them, or we're, you know, there's very few companies that have pensions and all these things and um, being able to break away that from that mindset. And technically my dad retired in his early fifties, but it didn't really necessarily set in that that's necessarily attainable until I yeah. actually did that more of the number crunching and delved into more of the, the fire community like you were in um, and got a lot of the resources that have been so helpful from you and um, folks in your community. Yeah. yeah. See what you mean when you say you're the foundations there. It just didn't like quite like hit. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so why don't we go into the uh, couple of questions that we got. Um, from this. Okay, let's see. Oh, um. Eric, I saw a question from you in terms of feeling like you might be burned out because you're not your clients are at a lower like price point than you think they should be at. And do you feel that your clients should be at a lower rate to just build up your client base? Um, even if your client doesn't know they sh uh, your value. Um, so I think it depends on what stage of business you're in, technically. Um, like, so early on in business, sometimes it is really important that you take on clients, like kind of practice clients and um, clients that you can really learn from. Uh, that technically was the model how I got certified in the Quinmari Method. There was a lot of practice clients. Uh, so you learn a lot from them and you get more testimonials before you go into, you know, being certified and, and promoting those services. So kind of similar, sometimes it is worthwhile um, to start at those practice or lower rates, um, kind of similar to like speaking engagements, you usually start smaller and then you, you get more confident, grow larger and larger. So sometimes it's worthwhile, um, but, then at, but then once you are established, um, there is a boundary that you need to set of what's your value and what's your time worth. And some people aren't going to be your ideal client. And it can be really hard to say no to someone, but it's important that you do um, because 
Otherwise, you both will regret sometimes going into a contract together because um, neither of you feel valued. Um, and your ideal client will know your value and you'll be able to find them um, and feel good about your services. Yeah, and I think, I mean, from my, as like, a, it depends like if you're a full-time if you're doing like freelance full time, because then it's harder. I can understand how it's a little bit harder to say no if you like. Obviously, if you need the money, like sometimes you just got to do what you have to do. Um, but you know, if it's like freelance work, I feel like yeah, I, my, my for for me, my boundaries are there. It's like if it's under like three thousand dollars, I just like I just don't take design clients <laughs> because I make money at my nine to five that I'm like comfortable in. So it's like, it's very much like a boundary thing. Mm -hmm. um, but also too, I would look at it like, do you want that work in your portfolio? Like, do you want that in your books? Cause like, I mean, what's the value of that too? Although they should, they should really not be lowballing you <laughs> if it's a company that you really want to do work for. Mm -hmm. um, okay, uh, we just have do you have any hobbies that you do just for fun and not money? Do I have any? Uh, <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, let's chill. Watch the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe on time. <laughs> like, I feel like um, my hobby hobbies are just like veg hobbies. <laughs> like hang out with friends actually I really hated that question like whenever you go on like first dates oh, you're married but like <laughs> when I was like oh what's your hobby and I was always so frustrated because I feel like I never really had any hobbies prior to like doing this Instagram <laughs> and I was you know, like if hanging out with friends and, like family's a hobby like that would be my hobby <laughs> yeah I mean it technically it's like where you want to spend quality time and um for me Technically, I still enjoy photography and I like, I don't really consider it monetizing it that I take a lot of my own photos technically. Um, so I still enjoy um, that as a hobby and, um, and then my new hobby that I'm planning to start in 2021 is um, growing some of my own food like, or like small herbs or small veggies. Um, so getting to, to learn that process. So um, that's going to be something fun, hopefully, that I'll start um, in Q2 of this year. So that's nice. like one of my fun things. <laughs> so um, what do you do to reset from burnout? I, I guess I haven't really experienced burnout because if I don't, if I stop liking it, I just stop doing it. <laughs> and then I reset by figuring out another thing I like to do. So that's my reset. Um, so for resetting it, I, so I have like a three-step process that I like to think about. And the first step is clarify. So clarifying, like, what are your core values? Like, you know, why do you get up in the morning and how does this fit within it? Um, and I think that's really important, especially, you know, I technically was in my mid-20s when all of this happened. And I realized that I never had written down my core values as an adult. Mm -hmm. Like, my family had, like, indirectly talked about things and what we value, but we never... I never had written them down, like posted them or something or, um, you know, really knew them very clearly to know how to make decisions in my life. So that was a process. Um, if you've never gone through it, I started with Simon Sinek's process, 
Um, and that's what I really like using. Um, he has a great TED talk and some books as well. And then after you get really clear on that, then simplifying. So either simplifying distractions or clutter. So like if it's physical stuff or if it's more like mental, digital clutter in your life, um, it could be like uh, you're way overloaded in your calendar. You've committed to too many activities or too many things for yourself or for other people in your household. And it's time to let some of those go. Um, and it's okay to let go or say no to events and, and things in your life that aren't really lighting you up for that season. Um, and then after you go through simple finance, the alignment stage. So step three would be alignment. And how does your work align into your life? So getting back to how your work is not your whole life. And I think that usually when we burn out, either the thing we burn out from feels like it's our whole life or it feels like it's our whole identity. Um, because like most people answer like, what do you do um, with like your identity is your job and it technically isn't right. Um, so getting back to, um, I, I talk about it as like the 10 pillars of your life of like you have your health and you have your friends, your family, your finances, your spiritual health, your, your learning, your experiences, all your things like that. So work is one of those 10 aspects. So how are you starting to align it into your life instead of it being your whole life and your whole priority? So um, you could go through like more of the financial steps. You could go through more of the relationship community steps. You could go through more of the health steps, but um, it's doing those like small things over time that will really add up. Um, to make you feel better. And I think that it's important, just like kind of when I talk about simplifying in the Kunmar method, like you didn't accumulate all the items in your home overnight. Like I moved like seven times in the last 10 years, right? So I didn't accumulate all the things I own like overnight and they're not gonna leave my house overnight when people want to simplify or declutter. They think everything's gonna leave overnight and like their life is gonna be transformed. But that doesn't happen, right? And it's kind of similar burnout. Like you don't wake up and then the next day you don't have it and your life is different unless you put in the work, right? And a lot of people are really uncomfortable with the change and, and the work that's required. That's why you have a community around you or you have accountability partners. It can be really helpful. I hope that answers your question, Anita. And I love your, your content and your YouTube channel. It's so great to connect with you. Okay. Um, and lastly, I guess we'll just answer how to determine your fire number and where I we invest our money. Um, so for your fire number, fire stands for financial independence, retire early. That just is the amount of money you need to have invested to live off of it in perpetuity. So like for the rest of your life. Um, Usually people do annual expenses. So, you know, you take your monthly expensive kind of average them out times 12 and then multiply that uh, times 25 if you're going to withdraw at a 4% rate or times 33 if you're going to withdraw at a 30, is it 33% rate? Um, which is more safe. Like 3% is like, I'm never working another job, never earning another cent for the rest of my life. That like kind of puts you in a very safe, safe zone, I would say. And also assuming you don't increase your lifestyle, et cetera. Um, but so annual expenses times 25 to get the 4%. Um, and, you know, maybe you earn some passive income and you set yourself up with some income streams to earn you money. And then times 33 if you are going to never work again. It's very simple, simply. Um, uh, there are a bit more nuances and definitely recommend Googling it. <laughs> but that's how you figure out your fire number. And where do you invest your money? I personally... 
am almost all invested in index funds. I think like 80% US total stock, like 15% uh, international stock and like 5% fund money, which I call fund money as like individual stocks that I just kind of have picked arbitrarily and like did not really do research. If that goes to zero, it goes to zero. So that's my portfolio. Awesome. Yeah, so I mean, the fire numbers, um, I mean, pretty simple, as long as you know your annual expenses. So that's like the first hurdle of understanding how much you're spending month to month and then year to year. Uh, and investment wise, I, I technically highly recommend the book Simple Path to Wealth um, by Jay Collins. Um, so I follow a lot of what he says in his book, um, which is like the simplest way to invest and plan. Um, so um, very similar to Katie, um, but mainly one index fund. Nice. So. DTSAX. <laughs> yeah, he loves DTSAX. Well, except uh, Fidelity's version. Oh, you have <laughs> it's all kind of the same between Fidelity yeah. Schwab um, and Vanguard. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that is our conversation today. Um, if anybody like wants to DM us, uh, we are Sorry. If anybody wants to DM us, we are, my DMs are open. I, you can, yes. mm -hmm. I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> but yeah, my DMs are always open to talk about like, you know, if you ever need help, if you're ever wanting to start your own like finance um, account and like side hustle, I always encourage other people to, you know, if you have an interest, like try it out, no harm in starting. And uh, yeah, cheer, I'll cheer you on. Cause like, I always think there's, um, people think like, oh, there's too many people, like, how can I ever, like, stand out? But, like, you should do it for yourself if you want to do it and mm -hmm. try it out and, you know, join this awesome, amazing community and be connected to people. I always recommend you try it out. Yes, and, and make sure everyone is following Katie. Uh, she has amazing content on Instagram and her YouTube channel. I love your videos, Katie, um, and some of the resources that she has available for you to download as well. So make sure you're following her and um, yeah, definitely, you know, any messages are welcome. And if anyone is more interested in learning more about burnout, you can pick up the burnout starter kit. It's free to download. Um, and then there's podcast episodes that go along with it or, or YouTube videos that can help see if you're in that stage or if you want to get uh, some help as well. Cool. So all right, well, that's all we have today. So thanks, guys. And thanks, Jessica, so much for, you know, coming and hanging out with me and everybody. Yes, so. Thank you, Katie. It was great to connect with everyone today. I hope you have a wonderful evening and bring some joy into your day. Yes. And we'll be sure to save this. So um, be sure to check out our IGTVs. We'll cross post it on our channel. So yeah. Awesome. Bye. Everyone. Bye.